data stories as usual. Hi Moritz, how are you? Hi, doing great. Uh, we have a special, special uh, episode today. We are going to talk about color and in order to talk about color, we invited a special guest. We have Gregor Aish together with us today. Hi Gregor, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good, good, good. As long as we have good weather, everything is fine for me. <laughs> So let me spend a few words about Gregor in case you don't know his name already, which would be strange if you are in the data visualization world. I think Gregor, from my point of view, is one of the rising stars of data visualization in the visualization galaxy right now. And um, uh, he has a very nice uh, website that is called Driven by Data. And he has very neat and clean and nice projects over there. So if you don't know it, go there, drivenbydata.net. And I think the specific reason why he invited him to talk about color is because he has this very nice little library called chroma.js, where he finally, I think, debunked several problems regarding to having proper colors, selecting proper colors in an in a easy way. But Gregor, do you want to introduce yourself and say something about you, who you are, how you started with visualization before we dive into color? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. First of all, thank you for the for the very nice introduction. Uh, it's hard to add any <laughs> good points to that. Um, how, how I started uh, with visualization is um, I studied a, a strange course called computational visualistics, uh, where we learned all the hard basics in uh, data visualization and, and many more. And, <clears throat> and then I, I uh, jumped to the, uh, to the freelancing uh, field. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. Um, okay. okay. So is this computational visualistics some sort of more of, of a computer science kind of background or a design background or just a mix of two of the two? Uh, I, I would say it's it's like sixty percent computer science, and there's uh, more or less ten to twenty percent design, and uh, the rest is uh, what we call visualistics, which is kind of uh, analogy to uh, to linguistic, which is well well known, uh -huh, uh -huh. and vi visualistics is kind of uh, the analogy to for everything related to understanding and creating images. <clears throat> so there, I had like two years in psychology and uh yeah but also uh other other t uh, topics related to how we uh understand uh mm -hmm. images in our brains mm -hmm. okay fine really interesting um okay so we want to talk about color today because color is at the same time, so powerful, potentially powerful for visualization, but also dangerous. We see many examples of visualizations where color Sorry, is misused. <laughs> and um, 
I don't know what is happening to Moritz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fam family <laughs> is rioting. Family's, okay, yeah, it's fine. It's that's fine. It's a, that's part quite of usual. Yeah, I like yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> but I'm back, okay. sorry. So let me start over again. Um, yeah, so we, we want to discuss color because, as I was saying, color is at the same time very, very powerful, potentially powerful, but very dangerous at the same time. And I think, especially at the beginning for novices, there are lots of misunderstandings and it's very easy to misuse color. So we will try to go through how to use color and what are the major issues there and some common problems that we always find when designing visualizations with color. So, um, I don't know, Gregor, do you want to introduce something about color, how we perceive color, color scales, or whatever you want to say to introduce color in general? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I, I think the, the key point in understanding uh, how we perceive color is to, uh, to learn about the visual perception of humans in general but to be more precise it's you can learn quite a lot f just from uh, understanding the structure of the human retina so the, the part of our eyes that is uh, uh, responsible for for our vision and within the human retina we have uh, quite a lot of receptor cells who are kind of uh, each of them responds to certain uh, uh, feature and uh, uh, mainly we have two types of them. I'm not sure if I uh, tell, any, tell, any, tell you any new, but it's <laughs> we have we have cones and we have rods. And the, the the cones are for colors and rods are for for light reception. And that's the first interesting point about the distribution of cones and rods is that we have we have like seven million cones, but we have seventy to hundred fifty millions of uh, rods. So that's one one point why why we are so we are much better uh, suited to uh, to see differences in light mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. than than we are in uh, in perceiving differences in color. So in color, yeah, yeah. when I, when I say, talk about color, I mainly mean uh, the hue of the, the color. Hue, yeah, uh, yeah. The sure, hue, yeah, the sure, hue. <clears throat> sure. And and when 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 and you can even uh, uh, go deeper into the topic, and uh, you see that we have three types of cones. Um, which is very interesting because uh, it's it's very similar to the the way we decode color is very similar to the way we encode it on our computer screens. So on computer screens we have like three colors color channels for red, green, and blue, and the same we have uh, in our cones. So we have basically uh, we have three types of cones, and each of them is uh, responsible for for a certain color. Mm -hmm. One one is very reddish and uh, bluish and a green, and <clears throat> and there's last interesting point about the distribution of the three types of cones is that they are not equally uh, uh, distributed. We have uh, ten, time, uh, 10 times as much uh, cones for red mm -hmm. than, than we have for mm. green and blue. Yeah. So this is the reason why, why, why it's very easy for us to, to, uh, to distinguish between different uh, shades of red than it is uh, to distinguish between like green and blue, which is very close to us. It's mm -hmm. interesting. Sure. Yeah? One, one thing I learned in my cognitive science days is also that, I mean, you, you tend to believe your eye is like a camera and then in the brain, you know, this camera picture is being sort of analyzed, but actually the brain starts right on the retina and information processing also starts right on the retina. So there's, 
there's a lot of um, change and sensitivities going on depending on how light or dark it is at the moment. The, the contrast of your edges in the image are already enhanced. And overall, right. there's a lot of pre-computation already ha happening before anything enters the brain. So there's, there's a lot of information transformation going on in your eye uh, already. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. I guess you read Colin Ware's book, right? What yes, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> about that. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, I think there is a an implication for that, right? I mean, the the way we perceive color is connected to the way we specify color in our computers, right? And there are so many different colors there so many different ways to specify color in a computer. So Gregor, you just said that uh, the way we perceive, and at least the receptors we have are correspond more or less to this RGB model, but RGB is not exactly the best way to represent colors in visualization, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not it's not hundred percent true because we have a separate channel for light for light. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. sure. So yeah, that's sure. not we don't have it in RGB, but I mean, this also is at our the level RGB of the receptors, overlap, but... right? So the receptor. You know, there are these curves where the receptors react and yeah. these overlap. So we don't have these strictly separated yeah, channels. Sure. Some, That's right. some colors might trigger two types of receptors and so on. Yeah, yeah maybe we should clarify that. I mean, hmm. we have three receptors for different colors, but the way these receptors are tied together in order to create a signal is different. Right? Yeah, it's not strictly like It's RGB not strictly and, like going yeah. directly into these three exactly. channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so I think this is the reason why. So one thing is how we, how our receptors uh, process color, and one thing is how we perceive color, right? And how this impacts the way we use different color scales. I think that's also one of the reasons why we have so many different color scales. Gregor, can you tell us something about how many, why we have so many different color scales, and what's their their major differences. I mean, what's the main difference between, I don't know, RGB and, I don't know, use saturation and value and so on? Okay. Uh, why we have so many different color spaces? I'm not even so, sure uh, how, how to name them. Some take color space and some take color model, but uh, it's very, very similar. Um, why we have so much of them? So. That's an interesting question. I'm not, not sure, <laughs> but I, but I know most of them. And uh, you, you can answer. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um. So so I think the the ma main reason for RGB is is very technical reason because this is the way we encode colors on computer screens. Um. The but but it's not the ideal uh, color space for for uh, design tasks, for instance. If you're in, in in a graphic software, then then you need you you need a separate channels for for hues, saturation, and and the lightness of the color. But th there's I think there are many many uh, color spaces that have this hue and saturation thing. But mm. the, the the third uh, is very uh, is is uh, Varies from from different. So we have H as V, which is hue, saturation, and value, and we have uh, H as B, which is sometimes referred to as H as L because some say lightness and some say brightness, and there's 
yeah, you can read a long article on that on Wikipedia if you're interested. Mm -hmm. um, but but the the thing I learned is they're basically the same, and uh, but the way they uh, encode likeness is is still very technically driven because it's it's directly um, connected to to the to the uh, lightning lighting of of our screen but but not to the way we re perceive the lightness of the color so this is the reason uh why people introduced um a, a completely different set of color spaces which are more related to humans and the most uh famous one is the lab uh color space mm -hmm. but it's it's very uh this is the point uh where it gets tricky, you you, you can re in in LAB you have one one channel for lightness and you have mm -hmm. two channels two color channels but they are bipolar so you have one ranging from green to pink and the other ranging I think from blue to yellow uh, but don't quote me on that um, so it's very difficult to use them uh, in a in a in a uh, in day to day work mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I found that too yeah yeah you have to think a lot to use them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And but there's but 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 very recently I discovered a, a third, uh, 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 another color space which is uh, called I think the the Manzil mm -hmm. color mm -hmm. space. Yeah. And uh, this is this is why what the main reason for for me to develop yet another uh, library for for color manipulation mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. with Chroma JS uh, because. I think it's still the only one who includes these uh, this Manzel color system, mm -hmm. um, and the idea of of the Manzel color system is that it uh, it takes the advantages of the LAB, uh, which which is that lightness is uh, measured in a way in the same way we perceive lightness, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you st you have the convenience of of a hue channel, so one single hue channel and and a, and a kind of saturation channel which i called a chroma channel now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay yeah so is it correct to say that in the end we can distinguish between two broad classes of color spaces those that are more targeted towards measuring device device features of color and others that are more targeted maybe more like how perception. color comes about so rgb and cmyk yeah, exactly. they're related yeah. to the process of creating color right yeah, so exactly. how do you mix uh, primary colors and so on and i think uh, hcl uh, lab hsv all these they are more related to what we are interested in in color and and how we perceive it yeah and i think in terms of visualization everything boils down in the end on having i mean what we would really like to have in visualization is basically two channels. One that is more for creating different types of colors, what we call categorical colors, and another channel for giving um, information about quantities. Mm -hmm. and giving them some, intensity. Sort yeah, of, intensity yeah. And, and so on, right? Yeah. This is what we really want in visualization. So maybe we can we can introduce these two types of main purposes in using color for visualization for representing categorical data and continuous data. Uh, maybe we can start with categorical data. Gregor, do you want to introduce that? Yeah, sure. Um, so categorical data is, uh, is 
it refers to all the situations where you display information and you want to identify distinct categories in the data. Like you have, uh, for instance, if you have a visualization where you have uh, Republicans, uh, data related to the Republican Party and to the Democratic Party, these are two categories and you would uh, usually you would use a red and blue uh, to represent them. But it gets tricky if you have like uh, five or six categories, and it's, I think it's very hard to uh, to display any more categories. So, and the and the tricky point in uh, in those color scales is to find the right colors that are uh, both easy to distinguish yeah. and and still that are uh, um, that that are not not too okay. Okay, I have to say that the the it's a problem of color is that that we also have uh we have kind of psychology of color mm, which sure, is which sure. is that we 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 uh we uh, connect certain emotions to to some colors and also we have background knowledge and uh, mm. so it's very difficult we have warm and hot you know we have hot and cold colors all these things can play a role in how your final piece is read yeah yeah, yeah. and and, and they differently in different cultures right that that, that also yeah. yeah that's a, that's the next pain. major major problem <laughs> pain in the ass yeah, yeah. so it's difficult to find find a perfect combination of colors uh yeah categorical data yeah how many how many in your experience how many different categories can you comfortably express with nice and equally important let's say colors what, yeah, what's that's your a huge debate moritz yeah i know but uh, yeah. so yeah, I, yeah, I would sure, like to ahead. ask the empirical questions like from yeah. your work what yeah. what was always the point where it breaks no, I, I so I'd say it, it depends, and there's there's no clear break break uh, point break break point. <laughs> uh, Give a rough estimation. So, One, so, we want so, a number, Gregor. Yeah, you, you get you get numbers. Uh, so, but but I but I need to clarify the break point. I th and I yeah, think the most ahead. most crucial break point is where where you leave the 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 zone where where, is, where you can identify values really really fast yeah. and this is this is probably when you have two or three colors then mm -hmm. then it works but mm -hmm. but if you introduce if you come to four or, or five colors you you would have to uh, to read the color in 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 the legend and uh, so this is very uh, so it, it's, it, it, is, it is still it is yeah, still yeah, possible still. but it gets slower if every color you introduce mm -hmm. uh, and. Yeah, I but, must but say it also depends on the mark size. So if you have small Absolutely. dots, you have to yeah. pick bigger differences between the colors. And Absolutely. the other thing is if you want to express intensities in addition to that. So if you just want to have different categories, I think you can have 10 differentiable colors basically. But if you want to also express intensities or values, you know, with these colors, with these color hues. You mean in my, within, within each category? Within each category have different yeah. values. I think then you cannot have more than four or five or otherwise you're in trouble. Yeah. That's my experience at least. Yeah. 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 And, and, it, and, it, and if, you, if you would do something like this, uh, you, you really need to make sure that you use a color space that has a clear separation between hue and uh, lightness, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you know, if you take a, a, a fully uh, saturated yellow and a fully saturated mm. blue in, in in RGB or HSV, uh, then there 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 is a difference in lightness between both colors, even Absolutely. though they are technically the same brightness. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. In principle, what you really want here when you when you pick 
categorical colors, you want them to be some equidistant, right? In a way that you, you cannot really... It's not only the fact that they have to be sparse, but you also want to make sure that there are no two colors that look more similar than any other two mm -hmm. colors, right? Yeah. So Which is another, another big challenge. Yeah. 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 So if I want to, if I have this problem of selecting categorical colors, what, where do I start from? What do I do? If I am a novice visualization designers and uh, I want to use some categorical colors, what do you suggest? What would be the first step? I, I think the first the first step is really to, uh, we need to introduce Color Brewer, which is, yeah. a, which is a very nice, uh, uh, I think it's a research project of Cynthia Brewer. And she she has developed uh, a set of, of color scales and, and also color palettes for categorical data. And yeah, and you're free to use the, the colors. And so I think as a novice, novice you should just go to color brewer i think it's colorbrewer2.org and uh you select uh categorical data uh and uh yeah and you can select between like three or four different sets of colors yeah i fully agree with you and my take on it is at least from a research perspective um so some part of my of my job is reviewing papers and uh, my rule is whenever I see some color scales that are not explicitly taken from Color Brewer, I almost always expect a justification for that. I mean, it's very hard to justify why not using Color Brewer in my, in my opinion, unless you have very specific very specific reasons for that. Do, do you agree with me? Well, I didn't take it that serious in the beginning because yeah. the color palettes that come out... I. They do look a, look a bit. Ah, oh, that I know they're right, you know, technically. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, oh, they don't look that great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, but this you is know what I mean. So that's the tension kind of here, exactly. Problem, right? So yeah, and the second thing is in my work. I mean, I work with existing brands often. So right. oh, yeah, then you run into this meaning aspect and the yeah, but it needs to be blue aspect, <laughs> you know, and. Yeah. Uh, and this is the other thing where you cannot really use Color Brewer. But I think you can, or can you start Color Brewer, like pick or make sure one color appears there for sure, something like that? I, I'm not sure. No. Yeah, that's a problem then. And then you have to sort of wing it or maybe start yeah. with a Color Brewer palette, but tr modify it a bit and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. This was also my problem with Color Brewer, that, that I... I I was forced to use certain uh, brand colors in projects, and so if you want to, want to start to create a color scale or color palette with brand colors, then you get in trouble if you're just using Color Brewer. So, what what I was interested is in is what is the tool that that uh, Cynthia Brewer used to to develop the the colors. So, in fact, Color Brewer is not a tool, but it's a collection of uh, of fixed colors. Uh, or color palettes, and uh, so that was again the reason why I started to work on Chroma JS. I wanted to have like a tool that gives me uh, an almost perfect uh, uh, color palette between two colors that I can freely define. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, sure. And 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 interestingly, uh, I. I I wrote a blog post about it, and, and you know, I put this small and interactive uh, demo applet uh, mm -hmm. to it, and 
and now people use it for for their actual uh, um, uh, visualization work. Mm -hmm. uh, so and it, I think it's even mentioned in the in the in the very uh, helpful list of uh, data visualization tools published by uh, I think data visualization CH mm -hmm. uh, in the last two weeks. And it's just very interesting to me because it's it's not not really. Uh, a ready to use tool like uh like color brewer or something uh but but it's a toolkit right so you can you have some helper functions to work with with color right yeah yeah and but but i was thinking about uh, uh going a step further and wrap it up in a, in a kind of simple uh color ah, uh, color palette website yeah, where you that can would be sweet Fantastic. yeah yeah that would be sweet <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah, there, are, there can... is like cooler and color love and all these. I mean, we should mention that maybe there are websites where you can exchange yeah. colors basically or post colors and stuff like that, which is yeah. great fun. I mean, there's a whole, let's say, color industry. But uh, <laughs> if you had your color brewer as a little uh, JavaScript tool, I think that would be amazing because I, I don't think there is a comparable um, tool that is perception based, right? So, right. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. I need to find some time for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, please do it. Please do it. Uh, it must yeah, be I mean, worth the, the first yeah. the first time I saw your tool, I was I mean, I loved it so much because it's a little tool that really covers a a, a gap that we always have. I mean, specifying You mean the blog post the one? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we should explain that. Yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Anyway, do we want to move on talking about using color for continuous data? Because right. that's also interesting. Um, Gregor, you want to go on that? Um, okay. Um, the, the situations where you use color for continuous data is... Uh, oh, first of all, to, let me start like this. I think it's it's very difficult to use color for for displaying quantitative or continuous data. Mm -hmm. uh, so so there we we really have to uh, to mention the, the famous quote of uh, who was it? Uh, ah, Moritz was you. Uh, uh, <laughs> then he said famous. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like how he did that. I like yeah, the introduction. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. <laughs> it is. It is. In fact, it is a famous quote, um, which is uh, Moritz. You have famous quotes. <laughs> color is difficult and positions everything. I'm not sure if I'm if I get the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Positions oh, everything. Yeah. Color is difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. that's my six word advice to people starting out in Infobiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, Enrico, I'm mostly famous for my quotes. Wow. <laughs> there is not much else left. <laughs> Should I start saying around that I that I know you? <laughs> yeah, you can. I mean. I no more. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the first first advice for for using color in for continuous data is uh, don't try to try try to figure out another way to to show it. At exactly. least you you can you can use a combination of of, of color and position, for instance, uh, which is very uh, powerful. Mm -hmm. But um, but if you have like a coral plate map, which is very popular uh, these days, I think it's it's a poor visualization for comparing quantities in your data set. 
think mm-hmm. I think the 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 main uh, advantage of color is to identify certain uh, certain uh, data points in your mm-hmm. data set, but mm-hmm. but not to compare. Them. Yeah. But if, because you you can say like this uh, this uh, color is twice as much as the other color, so it's mm-hmm. it's a big problem if you if you display you you get an overall picture, but you're very limited in uh, in in reading reading it. Yeah, sure. But but then but then there is uh, we 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 should mention that there are two major types of of continuous color scales, which is. Uh, we have uh, a diverging color scales and we have um like a sequential color scale and the and the, the main difference is that one ranges from one color to another color and and the other have has like three colors so you can uh, show uh, use it for bipolar data if you have like mm-hmm. wins and losses in a financial data set you can go to to red and some other color for the uh, for the wins Maybe not green, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. because mixing red and green uh, is uh, it, it is very attractive to to do so. Because in at least in our culture, red and green are very clearly defined colors. So we have like red for for bad and uh, green for good. Um, I say in our, in our culture, but but the big problem of red and green scales is uh, we have. Uh, a certain amount of colorblind people, and they are very—they have big problems in in reading uh, red, green color scales. Yeah. Once again, sorry if I interrupt you. I think this reminded me that once again, uh, it's really hard to have hard hard guidla- guidelines in visualization because I was thinking that in biology they have they have these heat maps that go from black to green and from black to red. And uh, this is a sort of standard for them. And uh, if you try to change that, they would complain. And uh, they don't want to see anything different because they are so much ingrained into this kind of representation that if you would change it, mm. I, I'm not sure you would gain anything anything in terms of... I, I don't know if, if it would be more an advantage in having a more precise color scale, but trying to break the rules or, or the other way around. Yeah, just... Just to tell you something that came into my mind. Yeah, yeah, but it's true. Uh, the, the, and also the rainbow scale, it is so established already that it's really hard to get rid of, you know, be it as, yeah, as bad but as I, I think with, with the rainbow color scale, it's it's trickier, right? I mean, going from, from black to red to green is still fine, but using a rainbow color scale to represent continuous data is, uh. is just plain wrong, right? I don't know if you agree with me, but I think it's just plain wrong. Yeah, there's at least some problems with it. But I mean, we could play this through as an example. Let's say you have a map, world map of global warming, you know, and you have like a range of temperatures you want to express. I mean, how would you do it? I think, yeah, I don't want to, I don't know if we want to go much deeper deeper into that, <laughs> but since you opened that... <laughs> That can of worms. This is, yeah, the can of worm, the Pandora's box. Uh, I do believe there are a few cases where, where I mean, you have these cases where you have continuous data, but you are interested in segmenting different 
areas of this continuous mm. field, right? Probably that's, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's much trickier than the usual cases. And in that case, you want something that is continuous, but at the same time create, creates distinct, very distinct labels. Mm. But I'm not sure this happens very often in, in standard visualizations or problems people have with, with visualization. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start from this problem, right? Mm. But you're it, right. It, the first thing is we like... have to accept you cannot express continuous data accurately in color because there's no good notion of what is twice as red or there's no good number to be put on, you know, a certain difference between blue and green. That's, I think that's the first thing we have to accept. There is no good representation of continuous data with colors. And then you're right, probably the best way around is to try and make it ordinal data or, you know, chop it into like five different classes of, of um, things and then work with that and take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even trickier than that. I mean, there is a, there is a very nice old paper from Heim Levkovitz which is called Color Scales for Image Data. Mm -hmm. I think this has been published in 1992. And what surprised me of this, of this paper is that this is very basic user studies on, on color scales. And they use in this user study um, grayscale color scales, right? Which is the most basic kind of things you, you, you would use. And you would say that is quite accurate, right? Yeah. Because in grayscale that case, should be fine, right? Yeah, grayscale absolutely. should be fine, yeah. and luminance is increasing in a linear fashion there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even there, <laughs> the way we perceive the 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 a linear increase in grayscale is not perceived linearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And you have context effects. So if if you have something bright surrounded by something not so bright, it looks less bright, you know, than yeah, when it's uh, surrounded by bright things. Yeah, and, and so then on. you have all the context factors which play a role there. That comes on top of that. So, oh man, color is oh difficult, man. man. Don't use color. Yeah, don't do it. Just use it for decoration. It's <laughs> <laughs> my tip, probably. <laughs> Decorate with color, use the rest like properly. Well, we could say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> color is like a cherry, is the last thing you want to put on top, right? Yeah, what do you say? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there is, is in like design, there's the yeah. saying, get it right in black and white, you know, like first make it right with all the hard edges and the, the, the positioning and just the, 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 the spatial layout and then add sort of the yeah, yeah. color but texture this, and these weaker attributes. I mean, yeah, yeah. At the same time, this reminds me a very nice chapter in one of the Don Norman's book. I don't remember anymore which one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, he describes the first time when uh, color screens came into the market mm -hmm. and he was very skeptical about it because of course he coming from the science of uh, of interaction design he was fully convinced that color just doesn't play any substantial role right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it is i don't know if you read that and then he describes his experience with the first color monitor and just pretending that it's not true, that it's much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And it I found it really intriguing. Course. I mean, yeah, yeah. that what science tells you is not exactly what you feel like. I mm -hmm, mean, I think, mm -hmm. I, I think this is really, really interesting. The, the emotional aspect is so strong. Yeah, the emotional color. aspect. And that makes it so challenging too. Yeah, I think that's, that's both, yeah. Yeah, but I think there are some good rules. So I think, I mean, Gregor and I, we had this nice discussion with The Guardian uh, with mm -hmm. the 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 interactive no it wasn't the it was the data 
data blog. The data blog, exactly. And they put up a map where, I don't know, Greg and I, we were a bit bored probably. <laughs> and we were just <laughs> seeing that map and said like, oh, come on, what type of color skin is that, please? And so we started to... Uh, to rant a bit on Twitter, but in the end, it actually led to a quite nice improve, improvement of the whole map. So I, I think that was a nice episode. And I think that also makes clear, although it's difficult, there are some things you can still improve with simple rules, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or with simple, let's say, common sense or experience. Sure. Yeah. Gregor, you want to say something more on continuous color scales? Um. I think we, we, we covered the most uh, important issues already. I, I just wanted to add uh, the, this uh, nice situation where I found myself standing in front of a room full of scientists and I, I, I took the chance to ask them why they use uh, the rainbow color scale. Because I, I agree with you that it's a poor color scale, but but it's, it's on, this, on this day I saw like, 20 presentations of from scientists and it was like 50 of 15 of them used the uh, rainbow color scales uh, <laughs> and it was very interesting to to hear like the answers uh, mm -hmm. what what is the actual reason and and most interest is in, interestingly is that the rainbow scales are a default color scale and some of the tools that yeah. they use yeah. Yeah. and uh, second is uh, as you mentioned they they use the color scale the rainbow color scale for quite a quite a long time and they they get they get re they became experts in reading the the color scale so they mm -hmm. internalized the the non-existent order of views which which i say non-existent there's kind of wavelength based order of views but but it's not uh, general uh, ordinary people are not are not uh, familiar with with it so and the th the third reason was the most uh, most interesting one in which is like we know that that the color scale is uh, looks pretty ugly but if we would spend more time on making our visualization more pretty we get in trouble we might get in trouble in uh, arguing that our our research is uh, scientific <laughs> uh, and it's <laughs> because if if it, if if it looks ugly they they said then then people would say okay they they must have be a, there must have uh, good findings in there. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some inner beauty. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard this comment before. It's fantastic. I did quite often. I know. Did you? Yeah, of course. If we dress up our charts, it makes us look as if we have something to hide. You know, that's right. the logic behind it. Yeah. And if we have ugly charts as everybody else, our research, and you know, and they still get published, our research must be good. Right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is in science. Yeah. I'm sorry. During the yeah. last episode, we discussed these images from Barabasi. He's a physicist. He's very well known, and he's been producing fantastic graphics. So I don't know if this is more of a yeah. But we are talking about the average case, right? I mean, there are some brilliant people, and also I, I see the U.S. universities like Stanford and so on. They, they pick up on the good stuff, definitely. But yeah. let's say your average. Um, um, scientists working in a lab, mm -hmm. they do make some funky graphs, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a good quantity of them myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to mention again about on the research side regarding the rain rainbow color scales, there was a fantastic paper last year at InfoVis uh, titled Evaluation of Artery Visualizations oh, yeah. for Art Disease Diagnosis. It was best paper, I think. 
uh, oh, everybody was, wanted to have this one best uh, paper, yeah. and it, it was it wasn't even mentioned among oh, those on. that had an honorable mention. This was a shock for yeah, me, yeah. and the presentation, by the way, was fantastic mm -hmm. as well. But okay, mm -hmm. anyway, um, tricks of our academic com community. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, um, this paper is fantastic because what they do. Um, so I hope I I remind. I, uh, yeah, I think I remember right well how it was. Yes. So basically they had a visualization from a standard visualization of um, a heart used by doctors for diagnosis, which uses, so the standard visualization was a 3D representation of the art or parts of the art, I don't remember, and colored according to using a color scale, a rainbow color scale. And then they, uh, they created other versions by using either a 2D representation of the art and or a different, more balanced color scale, okay? And then they tested these four uh, combinations. So color scale, the four combinations you can get by mixing the 2D, 3D, and um, rainbow color scale, and the other color scale. And then they tested this with uh, medical doctors who had to uh, come up with the diagnosis on real cases. Mm -hmm. And actually, they counted the percentage of errors they made with these combinations. So it's yeah. quite serious. So they had actual, ex exactly, like serious they, cases. and uh, Serious cases, serious okay? Cases, yeah. So mm -hmm. they had to diagnose, I don't remember exactly what, but it was something like whether they, uh, they are going to have an heart attack or not, mm -hmm. okay? Something mm -hmm. like that, along these lines. I don't remember, I might, I might be wrong, but it's something along these lines. And uh, the combination, so first of all, they demonstrated that 2D in this case is better than 3D and the uh, rainbow color scale and the other color scale is much better than the rainbow color scales. Mm. But what was shocking is that the two things together um, had an improvement of something like 90 something percent, okay? Mm -hmm. Which was shocking. It's one of the best numbers I've ever seen in any evaluation study in visualization. So I think it's a great example for everyone to argue against uh, a rainbow color scale and using uh, 2D versus 3D. This was particularly um, surprising because what people normally say is that 3D is... Uh, is appropriate when the original object has a, as mm -hmm. a special, as special yeah, yeah. extension, mm -hmm. right? But that was not the case in this case. So mm -hmm. I don't know how generalizable this, this example is, but it's definitely one of the most, the clearest cases, scientific cases against uh, the rainbow color scale I've ever seen. That's something, yeah. Good. Um, Okay, so um, unless you have more to say, I had a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you guys that come from my experience. Problems I always have with colors and I want to see if you have any solutions. <laughs> <laughs> um, one problem I always have with continuous color scales is that very, very often the distribution of the data is very skewed. 
So what you get is basically one element with one color mm. and all the rest with the same color, right? <laughs> so basically on the screen you have two colors. Mm -hmm. One element with one color and all the others with the same color at the bottom of the of, of the color scale. Mm. Do you ever I'm sure you experienced that in the past. What what do you do? I think there are, there are uh, if if you have two colors and you interpol uh, interpolate uh, a continuous color scale between them, uh, or 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 even if you have distinct colors like ten colors, then you have different ways in computing those colors. One one is to use uh, uh, equidistant colors in the color space, which results to a kind of linear uh, uh, gradient. Um, but th that this one tr often turns out to be uh, very poor if you have uh, those skewed distributions you mentioned because you have one just just basically everything in the same color uh, there there are uh, uh, two other other ways to compute the gradients and one is to use uh, uh, quantile scales which well, where you you put the data in in uh, so you analyze the data first and you uh, choose the colors in a way that every uh, Every color is equally uh, used in in the map, which is this is kind of the way the quantile scales. And there's also uh, uh, you can also use um, clustering techniques to uh, to f identify clusters in your data first, and then you assign uh, equidistant colors to those clusters. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, but there's no. If if you do so, you you kind of uh, distort the view on on the data. Exactly, and it's hard to explain sometimes what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. and what what you see what you see most in most tools is that you you allow users to change the modes of the mm -hmm. of the of yeah, the yeah. continuous color scales. The, the simple and tip I have maybe is I mean again we are running into this quantitative information with color and I mean a try to avoid it but b if you do it i think what often works quite well is try to work more in a sense of what is an average value or the median value and what is like significantly above that or below that and try to encode that in color and that might also help with good distributions because often you have let's say you have a bell curve around a normal value or an expected value and then you have some outliers right yeah sure. and so if you put your average color which might be gray for instance in the center at the center of that distribution and then use two colors that are strongly different like let's say purple and green going into the two directions then you often you might get around that issue um, and hi highlight yeah. effectively what is like a, an average value and what is a more extreme or not so normal value yeah i think that's that's what a what a Diverging quantile scales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and often I think that helps in sort of highlighting now what is the interesting small data and the big data. <laughs> so I think I think in general the the more you know about the data and the more of this knowledge you put into the color scale, uh, the more useful Excellent the point. color yeah. scale. Yeah. So yeah. so if if you for instance like in those medical visualizations you're probably interested in in a specific range in like say blood pressure, then yeah, you sure. you can you can use like low uh, bright and less saturated colors for the rest and lots of red for instance and put <laughs> and, and put and put put just one significant color for the range that you're interested in and and this gives very powerful uh, uh color scales if, uh, even more if you allow the user to uh, to change uh 
the focus of of the color scale, then uh, it gets increasingly powerful because then you use the color scale for identifying certain aspects in your data and not to uh, to compare quantities so much. Mm -hmm. So normally, just blindly mapping a, a quantitative, uh, sorry, a continuous. Uh, dimension to a continuous color scale normally doesn't work, right? I, I mean, in my experience, almost always you need some kind of tricks and uh, and tweaking there. There are a few cases where it just works right yeah. away the first time you use it, the first the first color right. scale you use. I think this is this is a general advice that I would give for visualization, not even only for color. That always trying to try out many, many alternatives. Even if you are slightly satisfied with what you currently have, trying out different things and confirm that what you have is still better than the rest, I think it's a critical skill. Do, do, you, do you agree, guys? Yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah. Okay, another question I have is, um, sometimes in my experience, it happens that I, that I, I think it's a good idea to double encode the same variable with color and another visual feature like length or size. Do you ever do that? And do you think there there is a good it is a good practice? What are the advantages and disadvantages of doing that? Um, I would say yes. Do it. it uh, it's. Uh... It's no problem to use uh, re to encode uh, your information in a redundant way. Um, I think this this slightly touches the 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 thing Moritz talked about that you can use it for for decoration or uh, or at least for uh, for making it easy to read it, underlining, underlining the the meaning or the context of the data. You can underline it uh, with with a certain kind of uh, color and yeah so it's a good thing to i mean it could be interesting i mean because you you would think there's some interaction so if i make something more colorful and more uh, larger at the same time i mean mm -hmm. it's interesting how these two interact enrico do you know something about that do you, can you multiply yeah, these two can you this add is something them up? i was is, going to know, mention as work? far I mean, as i know there are no studies in uh -huh. I mean, th this is a clear gap in visualization research. Yeah. As far as I know, there are no studies uh, checking on what's the interaction between yeah. uh, between compound uh, visual features. Yeah. So it's not only about it's not only when you use color and size; it could be color and something else, or even just other features, right? Mm -hmm. There, as far as I know, there are no serious studies about about this this issue. Interesting. I mean, there is the old theory of separable and integral dimensions, mm -hmm. which, but I think this comes more from the core vision science kind of studies. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen anything. And it doesn't applied. tell you exactly how they. Impact. It doesn't tell you exactly yeah. how to how to combine different yeah. features and what's yeah. the interaction among them. We do know that there is interaction. Mm -hmm. The the theory of separable and integral dimensions tells us that there is. A strong, there might be a strong interaction, but there's. Exactly. I yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm not aware of any studies. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, bubble charts they are they are criticized that we over that we underestimate the larger values, right? Because area is perceived not linearly, but a larger area is perceived a bit smaller than it should be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you could give it more punch color wise. 
to compensate that. And then you end up again with a linear uh, perception if you do it right. Possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, knows? maybe. Yeah. maybe think, you know, perception hacks question. more or less yeah. could, could work. Could work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but 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 the other other thing uh the the other alternative you have okay you have two alternatives one is to use no color at all uh, and just use like size or position and the other is to use color to encode uh, uh a second dimension and mm -hmm. this is something uh I, I would I would always use position for the more, more important uh data dimension and maybe maybe use color for some interesting side uh side no side side uh, effects of, of, mm -hmm. your, of your data. Yeah, and it does work great for categories. I mean, we shouldn't forget that. So all these election maps like Democrats yeah. versus Republicans, or if you have four different types of muesli ingredients, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, then, then color is really effective. I mean, we shouldn't forget right. that for just establishing groups in the data. It's fine. It's more about this more about yeah. where you try too much with data where it breaks, uh, with too much with color where it breaks. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we could almost wrap up. Yeah, I we, want, we, uh, we scratched the surface. Yeah, I think we scratched the surface. <laughs> But it's an hour already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before concluding, I just wanted to to ask you guys if if I am a if I'm learning data visualization and I'm a novice and uh, I want to get I don't know something like three the three most important tips about color. What would you tell to to a person who is trying to learn how to use color in visualization. What do you think are the most important tips? It could be three, four, or five. I mean, just a number of tips that can be counted in, in one hand. I mean, my simple tips would be use it mostly for grouping, mm -hmm. you know, for categories of things. If you use it for numbers, um, Probably it's a good idea to think about how the data is centered around the average and then use one color for going below the average and one above or chop your data into five different groups yeah, mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. on the value you want to encode. Use Color Brewer <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ask, ask a few people for feedback and have people actually read out the values you know they, they read to you because color is so subjective that you on your computer screen might believe one thing, but everybody else might believe a different thing. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, so this is sure. really also a case where you need to check on different devices and also check with different people. I think that's that's a good yeah. topic probably too. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, sorry, Gregor, before I ask to you, I don't want to forget that. I don't know if it doesn't, it's not exactly the right moment to tell that, but we didn't mention that and it came to my mind. Please don't forget to put a legend in your visualization. I mean, this is so much important with might color. Be, we didn't too, mention yeah. that, but I think it's so important that we have to mention it. Yeah. Put a legend somewhere. Every time you use color, please put a legend. I mean, there are so many visualizations around without a legend and it's mm. a pain in the ass again. I mean, it's, it's sorry, I, I wanted to, to say, I wanted to make sure we had that in the episode. We have Gregor, the basics, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. that's the yeah. basic. Gregor, go ahead with your tips. Uh, yeah, b beside of that, the tips we already mentioned, like uh, don't use color in the first place if you want to show quantitative or continuous data. Um, I would, I would add that um, yeah, the f the fewer colors you you have you use, the more the more effectful they will uh, mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it's 
it's always a good idea to to uh, to try out like two colors or even one color if you have a very mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. gr gray gray for most and then you identify one group of your data set in like a red then it's very effectful it's and you can't can't beat that with like or you can't do this with like four or five colors mm -hmm. uh the next uh, next tip i would give i want to give is uh there is a small tool called color oracle which is uh the most convenient <laughs> thing uh you can use uh, to check your visualization uh for colorblind people Ooh, just yes. oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, color oracle and 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 in contrast to uh, the many mention uh, many many people know the the website uh, i don't know i don't know address it, where where you can upload images and it will convert it to to colorblind simulated version and color oracle does the same thing but in uh, in real time i just just press one key on my keyboard and i see my computer screen as as if i was colorblind mm -hmm. and it's a free tool it's it's for all systems systems and just download colororacle.org i think and uh and uh yeah i think the last last tip that i or the last rule that i would like to add is i it's stolen from edward tufty and and he says above all do no harm <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I i agree that's definitely the best, the best and advice. it's and it's very easy to do harm with with color it's true yeah it can really hurt badly <laughs> it's true don't hurt anyone with color yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, maybe i i love this one yeah um I have three basic rules, maybe I can mention that. And the first one is don't overestimate color. Mm. I mean, I think one of the most important thing about colors, learn how limited it is. I think that's the that's the the first thing you have to learn. It is very limited. And my second tip is don't underestimate color. <laughs> Because <laughs> at the same time, I mean, there are cases where when color is used properly, it's just magic. It just works. Mm. It's perfect. It's just really, really hard to find this sweet spot where color is exactly the right, balanced in a way that communicate information that couldn't be communicated more effectively mm -hmm. in other ways. And I think that that's really, really hard. And the last one is pretty basic. In doubt, use Color Brewer. I mean, yeah, I think, especially if you are a novice, I I think I I don't. Or at see least a reason. start with that, and then you can start still see, that, yeah. like, if you can come up with an, a modified version of the color scale that fits even better, or you know. But you have that then as a reference from the readability point of view that this is the gold standard, sort of, and yeah. you shouldn't be much worse than that, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. if somebody argues against your the way you choose your color, you can blame some blame somebody else right <laughs> <laughs> it's also a way to That's shield the way yourself to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's strategic in this way in a way um okay guys i don't know do you want to add anything about color i think we covered pretty much yeah at least i think we have enough pointers so people can get started to dig into the topic and it is a whole world of its own and i mean I think we all do data visualization now for years and we all feel like novices probably. <laughs> I mean, I do at least when <laughs> yeah, it comes sure. to color because it's so complex. Yeah. Sure. Um, Gregor, I just want to say thanks a lot. 
it's been fantastic to have you here in this episode. I also want to mention that, of course, since we, we've been talking about color, we didn't have time to talk about all your projects, which I really, really like. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from your side. And I don't know, maybe in the future we can organize another episode where we discuss more about your projects. I would love to do that. And um, yeah, that's all for today. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it was great uh, having you. Fantastic. Good stuff. Okay. Bye-bye, guys. Yeah. Bye. Talk See soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.